Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome back to the eighth episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. My name is Richard, and I'm fortunate enough to be your host and moderator here today. I'm not alone, though, uh, as I've come together digitally, of course, with three people I'm delighted to have as my co-hosts. Kent? Optimus must be stopped, no matter the cost. Kai? Omni. And Joel? Hey there. I love that Joel does the hey there thing every time. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, today's a great day, folks. For one, we're joined by all of you out there in the ether listening uh, along to us. Additionally, we've got the full spoiler for Wave 5 of the Transformers TCG Titan Masters Attack. Uh, how are you guys feeling about that, fellas? I'm ready. I've been waiting. been waiting. Very, very, very excited for this. All right. Uh, well, despite our collective excitement, I want to remind you out there that as of right now, the set isn't due to release in stores until May 29th. In the meantime, drop some proxies on index cards or the pack inserts and play with those in your household or over the internet, uh, Skype or conferencing. I know that the Transformers Webcam Games Facebook group is up. It's public and has a solid number of people engaging through it. Uh, they got our shout out last week, but they're getting it again because they just... You know, they seem to be doing a lot of good things right now. Uh, I know I'm personally impatiently awaiting my ca- my webcam in the mail uh, so I can get my setup rolling because I want to be able to move my cards around in a satisfactory manner. But I know Kent has gotten into the mix battling it up some. This is a great way to keep playing the game we love in times where our normal stores and local communities might be more difficult to get in touch with or to play with. And, you know, in consideration of the safety of everyone involved. So... We encourage you to get connected with the community at large through groups like this. Uh, plus, it's a great way to test out all the new toys we've been given in this set. Um, one last housekeeping tidbit. We greatly appreciate the awesome viewer questions we've been getting recently, this week included. However, due to the absolute flood of spoilers to discuss this week, we're going to push back our answers to those questions until next week's episode. When we do both a spoiler post-mortem of sorts, and we'll discuss major trends and predictions for the upcoming Wave 5 metagame. Enough with the chit-chat. Joel... Why don't you kick us off with the only stratagem we've got today? Well, first up, we have the Usurper. It's one star, a rare, and it uh, deals with Starscream Decepticon King from Wave 2. While your Starscream Decepticon King is upgraded with Decepticon Crown, he has plus four health. Who disrupts my coronation? Coronation Starscream? This is bad comedy. I think this card's really interesting. We all we all assumed, or at least I assumed, that the last stratagem would be for Starscream Decepticon King since the other three SRTs from Wave 2 all got one. I'm, I'm not sure this is what we were really expecting for for this one, but I've seen discussion about this not also not being that great of a card because why would you want to play him this way? I think maybe this could cause us to rethink the way that we tried to build Starscream. Decepticon King in, in the past because he originally saw saw time in, at the very beginning of the Wave 2 meta, but he just wasn't good enough. The way that he was built, you wouldn't want to play Decepticon Crown on him. You always wanted to be flipping it, but maybe this will give us a different angle to come from. And and I, I, I like that it's a uh, basically like a green pip personal uh, energy pack for Starscream. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I'll i be honest. So I don't know if this is what I was expecting either. I think it was a really good point to mention. But I will say this. I think of the Wave 2 Super Rare Stratagems, it's easily the best. I don't even think it's close. 
in all honesty. Energy Pack is maybe the single most impactful battle card out of Wave 3. Um, you guys feel, feel free to, to disagree with me if you want. But this basically just turns uh, all the Decepticon crowns in your deck, in, in your deck for a, for a Star Stream Decepticon King deck, into also being energy packs that have a white and a green pip on them, which is kind of bonkers. Um, so my favorite way of playing DK is what I affectionately called him. Um, was to have a security console on in an orange deck and use my Decepticon crowns as my functional defense. Um, I think the fact that this wants you to play at least one Decepticon crown onto your star screen means that that's just not really an option anymore. Your utility slot's just taken up. You know, I think it's really interesting, Joel, that you mentioned this might just make us want to change the way we think about building uh, DK decks, which I think is a really good point. Um, I think that... Basically, if we can construct it in a way where maybe it's a solid blue base deck that uses Mining Pick to plant your, your Decepticon Crowns on top during combat, uh, and then like you have the one that's resting on your guy for you know the, the actual like health buff, I think that might be a more interesting way, or I guess more effective way to play Starscream in the like upcoming metagame. Um, well, you wouldn't really need the, the Mining Pick to do that because the Decepticon Crown lets you plan. Oh yeah, it does let you plan, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Well, then maybe I, I just I didn't even think. I, for some reason, I just like forgot about that aspect. I mean, I feel it. like the the money pick is like his best the thing you want for him because you get plus three off the money pick and then you get plus three off any crowns you flip. So I feel yeah, that was already part yeah. of the strategy. So I mean, like I think playing one money pick is low cost because the flip mo- the flip like to alt mode that he gets can buy back a mining pick just because it lets you plan. So it's it's just a really solid weapon to be playing him. It's a singleton that you can fetch out of your scrap pile, which is really strong, especially because it looks like that there might be some real uh, weight to playing mixed pit decks in this wave. Um, I know that's not something you normally hear out of my mouth. Maybe something to consider. Yeah, I kind of feel that this new stratagem, first of all, it, it gives Starscream an insane amount of health, but also it removes the necessity to be playing Mining Pick. I, Joel and I have played a lot of uh, Starscream at the beginning of Wave 2, and then we figured out it wasn't that great yet, so we played it again at the beginning of Wave 3. Also not great um, yet, but we haven't revisited it since. And I feel like with all the defensive secret actions, um, whether it's sabotage armaments, hidden fortification, or the new end hostilities, I think that you could make the deck primarily blue. And it unfortunately does need more whites than normal decks do. And then you don't have to, like, eat up slots with Mining Pick. I agree you could maybe use one as a singleton, but if you have a Decepticon Crown, I don't know that you need that. So maybe instead you're using Crown to uh, plan on attack. The The only thing that it doesn't do is allow you to plan on defense, which is what Security Console was for. Um, and that really helps Starscream live <laughs> quite a bit. But again, with all the new blue secret actions, maybe it won't be as difficult to do that. And the fact that you can always play Decepticon Crown on Starscream, and then when he flips, pick up another one uh, so you have it in your hand. I kind of wish that this said instead of giving for life, if it said you may play a fourth copy of Decepticon Crown in your deck, something something like that, I think would be really interesting to kind of break the rules and help bolster Starscream up. Those are my thoughts. 
How do you think? What do you think about it? Like in terms of comparing to the other rare stratagems, though. I think it's easily the best. Cool. I mean, it's no uh, Springer, but uh, <laughs> better things to do than die. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Decepticon Crown is green and white pips. So my first thought with it was basically you play a defense like. You can either play the crown on him for the plus four health or at any point in time you can grab the uh, security console and play that on him. But it's basically a defensive build of uh, Decepticon uh, King with, uh, what's it called, overwhelming advantage instead. Hmm. And I, I feel that would just, because I feel dumping like three, like two or three crowns for attack is like excessive. So I, or even just two is pretty excessive for me. So honestly, I if I was to build a deck, I'd build a more defensive base and just have like the overwhelming advantages be the way to go. Because you can grab it back at any time with the the king himself. That's a good point. Yeah, very very good point there. I guess that's all we have to say about the usurper, which is by the way one of the coolest names. I was trying to think what the actual name for this last one was going to be when I was looking through the stratagems we had on on uh, Computron's lab, and I was like, man. There's got to be like a late T or an early, or like a U somewhere in there. And Usurper was like the first thing that came to my mind. So I was close, but I was off by just a little bit. I missed the article at the front there. Um, but I think it's about time we move on to the battle cards. All right. Well, since Joel went first, I'll go first on the battle cards. Uh, I believe the first spoiler we got to discuss today on battle cards is Disassemble, which is an action. It's black and a green pip. It says scrap any weapon or armor. Its owner draws a card. This card is great. So one of the th- one of the things that I've been looking to play a lot of so far is just any deck with Horrible in it. I love Horrible. He's really fun to play. One of the things I hated about those decks is I had, I had a really, really tough time fitting in any, any copies of Reprocess. And that was especially frustrating because of the fact that I was playing against people who had even like like after sideboards, they were like holomatic projectors because we we're starting to get wise to all of my horrible shenanigans and stuff like that. Um, and Disassemble is great. It's a black action, so you can play it and trigger your Horrible's ability. It's green, so you can pick it up all the time. And you get to remove important things while not giving your opponent back any health, which is really – it's a different drawback that, than something that Reprocess gives. But I, I'm not even sure if it's equivalent. I think like there are decks where one or the other is just going to be strictly better. And I'm excited just to try and work in, in, into different things. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this card. It's very, very powerful. Uh, clearly, Reprocess was back in Wave 4 for black pip-focused decks or decks that just have a few more black pips in them to you know help with the piercing. This is fantastic. Um, like you said, with Horrible, um, also you know a black-based Sound Blaster deck or whatnot, anything that just relies on that pierce piercing functionality of those pips may want to play this over reprocess it's very much like dismantle um, from wave three which didn't target uh utilities at all so i think that that's going to be one of the weaknesses of playing black by itself is not getting to do that of of hitting utilities so yeah this is a very welcome card i'm glad to see it so for me i don't think i'd play this card outside of a horrible deck because just being able to hit a utility is just so much more powerful being able to hit w5 
gyro blasters, being able to hit energy packs, being able to hit pocket processors. I feel that's just way more better for the utility. I could see if you were playing a second reprocess, you could probably play a disassemble in place of that, but mm-hmm. I ju- I'm just not at that point to where I'm playing two reprocess, so I don't think I'd fit <laughs> the room for disassemble in any other deck outside of maybe a horrible deck where, the, yeah, the previous arguments are valid. At first glance, I'm not super excited about giving my opponent a card. I mean, obviously you could target your own stuff, but you're probably going to target their own card. However, uh, I seriously underestimated reprocess, and it took me to the cleaners at EI. (laughs) So this symbol is probably better than I first give it credit for. So I think this is probably a card that's going to see a lot of play. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of if you want reprocess or disc. That's probably the main thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I do think this is going to be an all-star in sealed. It's a common, do good pips. Green is so strong for the consistency in there. Like weapons are so, are so like key to what the game is actually about in limited. This is going to be an all-star. It'll go in every single one of my decks. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Junkion for the common only format. It's great there. Uh, but I think reprocess is legal there, so it might even have like the same problem, <laughs> hilariously <laughs> enough. Cool. Well, the next card that we have is Tripwire. It is a blue uncommon action. It says, do one damage to an enemy. If it has five stars or fewer, tap it. This is pretty good. I like this uh, better than underhanded tactics for blue, for sure. I think we're going to continue to see a lot of blue or a lot of five-star characters continuing into the Wave 5 meta, whether it's Night Racer, the continuation of Flame War, you know, Fireflight, Skydive, anything like that. And again, I, I believe that when you tap something in this game, you're not just like singling it out so you can attack it. You're also taking away a full turn from them. They're, you're taking away a draw. You're taking away an upgrade, an action, an attack from them. It's really, really solid. I think it has more of a long-term effect because of that. And like, hey, you're playing against 3Y Galaxy Optimus. Well, you tap one of their small characters early on, they're going to have to expose Optimus sooner than normal, and you might get to double up on him. Um, So I feel like this card is very, very powerful. This is the most powerful tap ability in the game, period. Just hands down. It's it's so insane. Like even if it didn't do one damage, it would still won't be warranted to play because <laughs> yep. it stops it stops night. You can hit Flame War at any point in time. You can hit Brawn, he won't do any damage. You can hit uh Tailwind, especially. That's particularly important. Uh, Amen then, to that. um yeah, it's just you can hit all the patrol mass uh, leaders and basically just start turning off their abilities faster like this card is insane and in control mirrors if you draw this card more than your opponent you're probably going to win that matchup so yeah this card is i am i am surprised they printed such a powerful tap ability yeah this card's great i i I liked tackle from uh, wave two Uh, i thought it was going to be really really good i was really wrong but 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 this card is definitely extremely useful, especially when there's a lot of, when a lot of the popular decks have little characters 
they've already all been named, so there's no reason for me to list them out again. But uh, yeah, this this card is super powerful, and uh, to echo what Kent said, taking away a, a complete turn from your opponent. For people that play Magic, I mean, this is like, it's not a time walk, but it's kind of a time walk. It's almost like playing Peace Through Tyranny, you get an extra turn that, that I mean, you just stole a turn from your opponent. Yeah. Do you guys remember when Zap was a playable card? <laughs> no, I of. don't remember when it was a playable card. <laughs> it was. There was a time. There was absolutely a time when Zap was a playable card. This card makes Zap look so bad. It's unbelievable to me. I think um, Zap makes Zap look real bad. Agree. To be fair, Zap doesn't go, do a great job of extolling the virtues of Zap. I will say that. But um, for one, I think Blue loves direct damage. Like It just wants a critical mass of that stuff. And I mean, this is one of the best direct damage spells we've seen in blue for sure i think the coolest thing about this is it's unique right every other tap ability in the game is uh, a one for one like on a character for character right if you look at scrapnel's tap ability he has to he has to ko one of your insecticons um he's flipped the alt mode if you look at headbutt which is also in this set where you have to tap a body mode character to tap an opposing character of 10 or less stars or if you look at tackle you have to tap your guy to tap their guy um, I was never as much a fan of Tackle as you were, Joel, or Kai, but I, I can tell you that the, the idea of tapping my opponent's characters has always been something that's intrigued me, and to design space, I really do feel like there's a lot of uh, flexibility, and I, I would like to see them try it, and, and this is exactly the kind of card that I'm looking at. The idea that you can tap down the patrol lords and turn off stealth for them is so good, and it's so unique. There's nothing else like it in the game, really. The closest thing I think we have might be Spy Satellite Uplink, um, or one of the characters who can attack untapped characters. Those are all similar virtual equivalent effects of Tripwire. But this card doing a damage on top means it's never dead. That's the coolest part about it, is this is never really a bad card. It's an easy include for some of like the, the later game blue decks, um, especially because I think it'll be very useful in the mirrors or pseudo mirrors and like, as far as like macro archetype goes. Uh, but Tripwire is going to see play at least as one of in a lot of a lot of like 50s, if not main board play in higher numbers. Um, I'm really excited about this card. I think it's really dope. All right, next up we have Lose the Initiative. It's an orange, black, and green pip secret action. Reveal if an opponent's card would cause exactly one of their characters to untap. When revealed, instead untap one of your characters that has the same number of stars or fewer. So this card is <laughs> ridiculous because it counters the untap mechanic, which hasn't really been... Uh, interactable in any way outside of getting rid of the untapped card from their hand itself so i can easily see this card being played especially with the advent of things like nitro boosters that so it's not just cards that you would play this against i could easily see this as a one of in the sideboard for sure yeah this is a cool card also the only time that you would want to use it though is if you know that they're if they're going to do one of these things so you you would probably need to be playing a uh, a bot that has some sort of flip ability, look at your opponent's hand. That would be the optimal time to use it. You couldn't use it with, uh, say, espionage because you can't play both in the same turn. So, I mean, without playing Brainstorm or something like that, which isn't a good play. So, anyway, uh, I think this is a pretty cool card, um, but I don't really think it's going to see a whole lot of play. I think that one of the things that somehow neither of you has really like hit on is the fact that this is another orange, black, green card. That's insane, right? Like wedge formation is not – none of the things that wedge formation does are inherently powerful. They're all kind of 
blah, but the fact that you get so much utility out of the pips and the fact that you get the utility out of the card is what makes it playable. The fact that like green pips are able to cycle cards you actually can't play out of your deck and like out of your hand and back into your deck. Uh, at all is is so good that I think that there's going to be worlds where you're going to want to play like maybe one copy of this is the fourth fourth wedge formation in your main deck. In all honesty, I think it's probably going to be relegated to the sideboard in the majority of the instances that it is played. Uh, I do think this card screams to me that it was developed during uh, the height of the Wave 3 metagame when cars ran, was running rampant everywhere and people were just cliff-jumpering each other. Uh, I, think it's, I think this is a really cool... It's also, it doesn't just counter the untap, it completely inverts it, and I think that is amazing. Like, this is like, uh-uh-uh, not you, me. I get the extra attack. Yeah, there's there just so much upswing to this card if you hit it. That it's crazy. Oh, the highs are so high. The lows are very low, but the highs are so high. And also, a very cool name on the card. Like, I, I think it's, I think it's a, it's really appropriate for thematically for what it does. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 cool. I'm like happy this card exists. There's so much like hate or like hoser cards in this set. I kind of love it. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, I love that there's so many safety valves in this set. It feels like they're getting them on the game now. Maybe it's because, like, something upcoming is going to need protection. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, this looks this looks cool to me. Yeah, I, I think this card is really, really interesting. I don't know that it's going to see a ton of play. Um, one thing I've been messing around with is off-road patrol with uh, blue black and so you're five wide and then you have new orders which is which are untaps and with nitro boosters that's another untap and just all this black and while that deck i'm not saying is tier one i think it's got some really solid ground and i'm building on it I don't know if that deck ever got really strong. I could see someone sideboarding this against it. Um, obviously, it's great against cars because all the cars decks, for the most part, are running you know six star and and higher. So if you have a five star on your team, whether it's Night Racer or Flame War, or Skydive or RC, then you get to untap them and use them again. So I think regulated to the sideboard, and that's probably it. Yeah, so next up we've got Decoy Flares. It's a one black pit upgrade armor with plus one defense. When the upgraded character defends, you may scrap this card. If you do, the upgraded character gets plus two defense until in a turn. And this ability happens before flipping battle cards, so you have to decide to do it before uh, you see how much damage they're going to take. It's not a particularly good card, but not every card can be a home run. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this this will be playable and limited, but that's about it. So this is very clearly supposed to be the like the companion card to industrial grade phase charge, which is uh, what a what a long <laughs> name. I'm sorry, like I, I was trying so hard to remember it while I was while I was preparing my comments. Um, the the plus to the stats before battle actually happens is really interesting. We don't have any characters that do what Sound Blaster does, right? Like with armors, there's not there's nothing equivalent for armors. That'd be something cool to see in the future. I'd love to see that because it would be a way to get around Bashing Shield. Um, Decoy Flares is objectively less powerful than this companion card. Um, the plus one defense means you're kind of like you're kind of you're just not like at the curve. Uh, not having a blue or an orange pip really hurts it as far as flips go. I think that if it gave 
um, a plus two defense and static, you could pop it for a plus three. That would be awesome. Maybe he's asking for too much. Or I also think that if you could pop it at any point, you could scrap it at any point to give the plus two, that would be great because it would be a way to play around bashing shields. And that way it would have some some real utility in like an actual developed metagame, in my opinion. But as it stands right now, I really just don't see uh, much space for this. I kind of like this card. Not in a traditional deck, though. I feel that Mono Black doesn't have a lot of ways to defend, um, so it has to use cards like Enhanced Power Cell and things like that to just kind of bring their life total up to a higher number. I don't know that this will go in a traditional deck, but anything that is heavily slanted towards Black uh, may use it. All right, well, I guess we'll move on to the next card then. Uh, coming up, we've got Blade Flurry. I wanted, oh, It's so hard for me not to say Fury for some reason when I'm me reading that too. card. Me I, too. Dude, every time I see this, I'm like, Blade Fury. Oh, yeah. I also said I said Blade Furry at one point, and that's just, <laughs> I don't know if that's kosher. I, I, I did, but I, I caught myself. Um, anyway, let's talk about the actual card instead of my fumbling through the English language. Uh, it's it's Blade Flurry. It's a blank action, uh, no pips, and it says one of your characters gets plus two until end of turn. If it has a weapon, instead it gets plus four until end of turn. Okay, I talked earlier about the power of Tripwire kind of coming or emanating from the fact that it is such a unique effect. This is a unique effect as well. This is the first... Plus four we have to a character with no drawback out of an action, right? Like, this is the action equivalent to Grenade Launcher, except it doesn't have an awesome pip on it. It's a kind of blank pip on it. But, uh, I mean, this card is great and kind of like a polar opposite to, I believe it's hand-to-hand combat, which asks you to have no weapons on it. I, I think this card might be really good, honestly. I don't know what decks will maybe make the most use out of it. I would love to see it in some kind of... You know, if, if ever there were a deck that capitalizes on... I don't know if it's Sergeant Skywarp. Maybe it's, it's Skywarp Teleporting Seeker, I think is what I'm thinking yep, of. The one yep. that cares about mm-hmm. blank tip cards. We've probably mentioned him on a lot of the different spoiler days just talking through blank tip cards, which there seem to be a lot of in this set. Um, I think Blade Flurry is the kind of thing that could maybe, like... If that deck ever became close, this is the kind of card you would look at as one of the key pieces, in my opinion. Another consideration for Limited as well. You know, a common plus four is really strong. Yeah, and Limited, I think this is very, very good. Um, To me, it's, do you really want to play this over Leap into Battle? Maybe? Um, I I can see in some cases where you would, but in many cases, I think the, the pip is really strong on Leap into Battle, having a blue one versus one not at all. I'm not super excited about it, but we'll see if it gets play. Yeah, I like this card, but I don't particularly think it will see play because Leap into Battle is, again, safer, but this just has more upswing than Leap into Battle. But... I feel that it's probably going to be the 41st card, if anything. However, in that Skywarp deck, it is plus seven, so there's that. Which is amazing. (laughs) That's about it. That's probably about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's plus seven if he has a weapon equipped, which uh, there's not a whole bunch of blank pip weapons you're going to be equipping on the guy necessarily. 24 IR laser launcher, I think, is the one. Even just Scoundrel's Blaster is plus nine altogether, so. That's true, that's true. Yeah, well, anyway, I don't think this card is going to see a whole lot of play. I, I I suppose if you could build that deck, but that hasn't happened yet. The, 
this card is competing in a in a blue deck with cards like Bigger They Are and Leap Into Battle, and and in orange decks with cards like Supercharge. I understand that that if there's a if you have a weapon on your guy, it's just straight up better than Reckless Charging. It's just straight up better than that if you're not accidentally flipping it over for no damage. And Supercharge is probably going to give you a, a plus four or minimum plus three, depending on how you're building your deck. Unless you have Blade Flurry in there, three Blade Flurries, and then Supercharge might give you plus zero. Uh, so I don't really see I don't really see this card seeing a whole lot of play. So the, it'll definitely be I'll definitely flip the plus zero on my supercharge. I don't know about you guys, but I'll definitely flip all three blade flurries off my supercharge. That's the kind of thing that happens for me. The next card is Sharpen Talons. It is a green pip weapon, uh, common that gives plus two attack. It does have a picture of wingspan on it in his eagle mode and i i do like the picture <laughs> um Sorry. But for now I, I don't know what else to say other than it's a green primary laser i think i would just rather have noble's blaster or scoundrel blaster or even soldier's blaster yeah this is one of those this is one of those made for limited type of deals so that's about it yeah absolutely not going to see constructive play with this card yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like this is one of those cards where they made it and they were supposed to come back to it and add some kind of buff for beasts since there's so many beasts in this set. And because this is like a specific reference to a beast trait, right, and even has a beast character on the on the card, but they just forgot to and they're like, ah, ship it to print. It's just fine as a plus two green weapon. <laughs> it's going to be fine and limited, but not, I mean, guess like not every card can be a complete home run. No. For constructed, you know, like they're not all going to be great cards. It's important we have some cards that kind of set the bar for uh, what makes things good versus what makes things bad. And I think this is just one of those cards. All right. So next up, we have a spike bracelet. It's an orange upgrade utility, and it gives tough two. And uh, I don't believe you'll really play this card because uh, sparring gear is generally just better. It is a utility, so it's harder to interact with, but. I don't think I'd consider it unless it was tough three, but I don't know if they'll go that far. Yeah, as soon as sparring gear came around, uh, body armor basically took a backseat and really didn't see any play anymore, and this is more usable than body armor because it doesn't have to go on a melee character, but other than that, it's just not going to it's not gonna compete with, with sparring gear. I actually don't think it's competing with sparring gear personally. I think Spiked Bracelet as an orange pip utility that provides you defensive advantage is competing with Energy Pack, and it's just not as good, right? Tough is one of those things that can be absolutely limited. Um, there are things like Belligerence that turn it off. There's things – I mean like uh, you can also see W5 Gyro Blaster from the opposing side. But like, like Pierce isn't very is, – is very effective against tough effects instead of actual static health. So I think the the kind of like main competitor for Spike Bracelet is Energy Pack, and it just does a worse job at providing you that defensive advantage out of an Orange Pip card. You have to ask yourself, with every Orange Pip card you put in your defensive deck, you have to ask yourself, how much am I getting versus how much is this costing me? And I think Spike Bracelet is getting you some. Uh, it does something very unique in providing tough two out of a utility, but I just don't think it's enough in all honesty. And it makes me sad because you guys know – I like to stack extra paddings. Extra padding. Extra padding. Extra padding. In my armor <laughs> slot. So having do you? I do. I do. I was gonna make sure. 
that we got it into the episode too. You <laughs> better believe it. It was going to fit in here somewhere. But that plus Spike recipe to five, that'd be a pretty gnarly guy to try and KO. Um, but I'm sure my opponent would just have a million black pip cards and do it anyway. I mean, it's if it's tough six on Galaxy Prime. Oof. <laughs> if you want to go there. Well, I mean, Jetfire gets kind of tough six. He flips an extra card. Sure, sure. And it's probably a double blue pip because that's how he works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next up we've got Emergency Barricade. It's a common plus three defense, one orange upgrade armor card. When the upgraded character defends, scrap this card after the battle. I think this card's pretty neat. It, it can fit into a uh, offensive shell rather well. I, I, I was just thinking that this card might be a decent replacement. If you if you've already feel like you've got too many white pips in your deck, you could get rid of your force fields and play this. It would function much in the same way. Like, let's say you put it on your general optimus from wave three. Uh, he, that would give him six defense. Your, your opponent would have to swing for 11 to do to get more damage through than uh, than they would if you just had a force field on the guy. I, I think it's I think it's really cool. It obviously would have uh, it would be useful with Demolisher uh, mm-hmm. because it's going to make his defense that much higher. That that's the you know that's the freebie right there. The the extremely obvious use for this card. There's other cards that do that better already though. So if you're if that's the specific use for the card, it would be like a fourth or fifth of that. Yeah, I mean, I think Demolisher, I think you're totally right. And Demolisher is kind of like the obvious use of a deck that would want this. I mean, Hunker Down loves this card. And Demolisher, and specifically, I think it's specifically worded that it scraps after defending for Demolisher, which means he gets to attack, get the buff, and then defend, get the buff, and then it goes away, which is really cool, right? I mean, Composite Armor has already shown us that an armor that puts Demolisher at 7 defense... <laughs> And then doesn't scrap immediately is clearly a really powerful like like maybe maybe it's a little fringe right now but it's the type of strategy that could come into the forefront of a format like down the line somewhere potentially. I think emergency barricade is one of the things where I think we've talked about generally that I'm really happy with the fact that they made the star cost for the defensive and offensive heads like the same. And I think Emergency Barricade is a battle card equivalent of that trend, where I think they are finally starting to give defensive cards and armors the same kind of buff capability, even if it's like not, not necessarily always staying around, but the same kind of capability for buffing uh, stats as they have been to weapons all along. And I really like that trend. I think the fact that this card is maybe slightly indicative of them being more generous on that front is a really good example of something I see as being like a healthy piece of the game, long run. Um, I don't know what other decks I'd maybe slot this into. Uh, I agree that Force Field hasn't felt very good lately, Joel, so maybe you're right on that one. Yeah, I think RC really likes this card. A lot of times your opponent will save RC for last and really, you know, try to get that grenade launcher supercharge on RC when she finally swings in. But then once she's exposed, you just kill her. You one-shot her. Um, So much like what Joel was saying about Force Field, this could replace it in several decks. Not all, but in several decks it could. And give your character some more survivability that really need it. So they're not just one shot and they're done. 
Yeah, it doesn't get re- it doesn't replace force within your bike gang deck that you keep talking about. <laughs> that I keep talking about that I've mentioned <laughs> once, once, and it was our preview card. Yeah, no, I think bike gang is cool. I just am saying force field is objectively better because the white pips do the same thing in that deck. That is correct. <laughs> I'm just trying to be accurate. That's all I'm trying to be. Yeah, in addition to all those previous points, I think it's also just a card seventh to ninth slot for like composite armor or ghost shield in uh, the tank deck. So, yeah, that's about all I got. Yeah, Hunker Down loves to see this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, oh man, we've got we've got a ringer here, boys. Um, so this is I think this is actually like the tenth spoiler we've gone through today. Uh, but up next is End Hostilities. Now, End Hostilities is the card uh, I've been waiting for the entire set since we got Belligerence. Um, I was was only hopeful that it existed. I honestly thought we weren't going to get something like this. What it says is it's a blue secret action. It's rare. You reveal it when one of your characters defends, and when you reveal it, each orange either player flips this battle is a blue instead. Now, blue is back. Mmm, delicious. For those of you out there who are lucky enough to not have played against Belligerence, Belligerence says the inverse of this for an action, which is that each blue either player flips until end of turn is a is an orange instead. Now, it's important to note the distinction between end hostilities and belligerence is that belligerence lasts until end of turn, where end hostilities only last for a battle. Um, and the way that these things will resolve is that because belligerence will have to be played Earlier in the turn than in hostilities, end hostilities replacement effect will turn all of the things that are flipped orange into blue for either players. So it'll 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 cancel it out and actually work in the defending player's favor. But end hostilities isn't just good against specifically the menace that is belligerence. It's also just great against orange decks in general, right? You don't even have to be flipping a lot of cards on defense for this card to be great, right? It's it, You look at Hidden Fortifications, Hidden Fortifications isn't demanding that you play against some type of deck. What it's asking you to do is build your deck in a specific way. And Hostilities is saying, you can build your deck in a, a myriad of semi-defensive ways. And trust me, your opponent will not be hitting you for all that much damage unless they're trying to black pip you to death. And even in the, against like the orange-black deck, something like, you know, because we have to mention this one once an episode as well, David Burgos' Orange Pierce Madness deck, or something along those lines. Shout out to David. That deck relied on zero power attackers, primarily, to push damage. So turning all those blue, all those orange pips into blue mean they would stay zero and then pierce zero. So it's even good against those kind of like trying to guarantee damage decks. End Hostilities is fantastic. I'm so pumped about it. Um, it's another way to diversify your secret actions against counter espionage, which I stand by my opinion. I exhibited like in previous episodes. That's definitely going to see a lot of play. Um, and hostilities. I, I might make a shirt with this card's art on it. <laughs> It'll be edited for copyright purposes, but I'm just saying. I absolutely adore this card. This card is so powerful. One of the best in the set. Man, um, move all your Heidi Forts to the sideboard, folks, and play this <laughs> instead. Please, please play this card. I want three play sets of it at least because I play a lot of blue and I hate aggro decks. So <laughs> I'm super, super, super pumped. Uh, we definitely needed something like this. Now, when your opponent does come in with belligerence, 
you know, maybe they got that off early game, but then later you have an end hostilities. Um, so it can kind of balance things out. It does kind of feel like an arms race, though, which I'm not completely happy about, but I kind of understand where they're going with it and absolutely love this card. Yeah, I think this card is fantastic, but um, I think one of the strengths of Belligerent is just proactive. You can decide when you want to play it, and if your opponent doesn't have a secret action, then it's pretty easy to just throw down. But with this card, it's you're putting it down, and you're hoping your opponent has no reaction to it, no counter espionage, or they read it and then just throw a nothing character into it or whatnot. But yeah, it's this card is very powerful, but it is a little less powerful than Belligerent, so I don't think it's truly the counter counter. Like it, it's it's a mirror of the effect, yeah. But I don't think it's like I think belligerence is just gonna affect the metagame more than and hostilities would. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are so excited about. I think this card is uh, totally unplayable. Nobody should ever play this card. Don't ever play it. Don't ever play it. <laughs> there okay. we go. No, seriously Cold though, the player. <laughs> uh, obviously, this card is super powerful. Because of other cards that were spoiled that we haven't discussed yet, you don't even necessarily have to guess when your opponent's going to play Belligerence. You can just wait around until you, until they actually do play Belligerence. Oh, we'll we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this card is obviously super powerful, but nobody should play it. I think uh, <laughs> if you if you open one, just tear it up. No biggie. Quote the Agro player, 2020. Yeah, yeah, quote the Agro player. Honestly, some of the things I was forget I almost forgot about was the fact that you can play this and Belligerence together. Um, oh man, I cannot remember who is the last character we got spoiled. Was it Top Shot? Top Spin. Top Spin. Oh my goodness, I'm so bad at that. But Top Spin, a deck with End Hostilities and Belligerence in it. Come on, Mixed Pip Matrix of Leadership works as a double either way, depending on which one you're playing. That sounds fun, doesn't it? I like it. I mean, Mixed Pip sounds a lot more fun now. That it's more consistent with either of these cards. Yep. Yeah. I'm, that's definitely something I'm looking into exploring. I don't know who the rest of the characters are, <laughs> but, but I'm confident Topspin and Hostilities and Belligerence all make it into the deck. Uh, and obviously some head. Who knows? Probably Clobber? Not the Clobber. <laughs> uh, anyway, I also, Kai, I cannot believe that you didn't mention Major Shockwave when we were talking about End Hostilities. It's a, it's a secret action. He can play it off the top, man. He's more consistent. That's cool. So is Infiltrate, and so is Hidden for Cape Like, it's, still, it's definitely good in that deck for sure, but yeah, it's one of the myriad of points, I believe, that needs so, to be disgusted. <laughs> so, so he's not he's not back, in your opinion? He, he is back. He is back? He is back. He is reforged. Whoo, baby. <laughs> I'm looking forward to losing my entire hand to him. Me too. <laughs> Um, all right, well, I believe it's our 10th spoiler of the day, and oh man, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, we're about halfway done with the final full spoiler dump analysis. I can promise you there are certainly some interesting ones in the back half of these, all contained neatly in Part B of this episode to be released a day after this one, Part A. A special shout-out to you listeners, soaking in all the opinions that we have mixed with our facts and predictions. Uh, there's plenty more where that came from, so we'll see you here again in not too long, but until that time... Clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose.